All right, so we ready to learn about ants? Okay, not uncles, just ants, okay? Isn't this cool? We have some ants on here. Lessons from the ant. Here's our passage. He says, go to the ant. Uh, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long... Uh, will you slumber, O sluggard? How many of you like being called a sluggard? Anybody? Uh, that's, not, that's not very fun, is it? Uh, when will you rise from the sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands um, to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Did you know that the average person in our country is three weeks away from bankruptcy? Three weeks. He or she has little money saved uh, in, uh, for the, the obligations that are regular in their life, the regular fixed obligations that are taking place, and uh, a, a relatively high level of living here in the United States based upon the income. Uh, we have learned how to, to, to take what we make and spend it all. And we have raised up our standard of living, and as a result, uh, it makes it really tight when they do not receive a check. And so the average uh, person in America in this country is about three weeks away from bankruptcy. Now, the, the major reason that most people are poor savers and aren't saving uh, money is because we live in a culture that does not practice self-denial. In fact, we are in denial about self-denial, right? We do not practice self-denial, and so as a result of that, uh, in our culture, uh, we think that we deserve. In fact, I hear a lot of conversations have all my life from people who do work hard, and they feel like that they deserve something because they work hard. And so they might deserve, you know, uh, an automobile that they can't afford, or they might deserve a house that they uh, would be better to get a, a smaller house, but they want the bigger one with a pool or whatever. And uh, self-denial is not a part of the practice or the language that's going on in America today. Now, Scripture teaches us about saving, and we're on the 10-10-80 plan, so we talked about the first week, about 10% giving to God, inviting Him into our finances through obedience, just saying, God, the first 10% belongs to you. Your word says it. I'm going to practice it and participate in it. And then we said this week is about the next 10%, saving the next 10%. And then the week after, we'll be talking about the 80%. How do we live a life on 80% of our income instead of 100% of our income and what that life kind of looks like? But Scripture teaches us that our problem with saving has to do, it says, it says the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Now, our society is all about spending, uh, in, in general, everything that they make. Everything that comes in, uh, they have a place for it to go out, celebrating, uh, buying something, uh, you know, to add to, to what they have now. And as a result, uh, we are good as a, as a society at spending uh, whatever comes in, whatever we get in our hands. 
Regular savings, though, makes provision for our tomorrows. And that's what the ants know. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. It also, regular savings, it builds financial safety cushions for emergencies because the ants also know there's always going to be a winter. Now, we don't always live in America like we know there's going to be a winter, but how many of you have had a winter in your life at least once? I've lived long enough that I've had several winters in my life, and I'm grateful that we had something saved for that winter that came along. Now, a good rule of thumb in terms of savings, if you are just saying, well, what should I save? What should it look like? And the 10% figure is, is one that will help out a lot towards getting there. But they tell you, the financial experts say that it's a good idea to have two to three months worth uh, of, of uh, income saved up. Two to three months worth of income saved up. You know, now one of, one of the wonderful things about doing that is that when you have that kind of money saved up, how many of you know you don't need your credit card, right? So if the, if the air conditioner goes out and you have three months worth of savings, you can borrow from you. You don't have to borrow from Sears. You don't have to borrow from JCPenney's. You don't have to borrow from Visa. You don't have to borrow from MasterCard. You don't have to borrow from any of them because two to three months worth of savings will put an air conditioner in your household and you can pay yourself back at a smaller interest rate. How many would love to pay yourself back at one or 2% versus paying the credit card back at 16 or 17%? Would that be great? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? And so the Bible teaches the importance of us learning about saving and a good rule of thumb, two to three months worth of our income saved. Now when saving, we must keep a balanced mind. And that's the next challenge, isn't it? Because I know people who go on saving binges, like I know people who go on workout binges, right? And everything's about getting skinny and eating right, and I should learn from them, but I don't. But we, they, some people will take it to an extreme, won't they? I mean, it's like not only is uh, you know everything bad, and you got to run constantly a hundred hours a day, but you know they they are also helping you understand how bad you're eating and and uh, how bad things are going for your life, and uh, we all have a few of those around us, right? So we can do that with savings too, can't we? Like we can just become hoarders and we can take and save every single thing and, and stockpile and, and build up. And, and uh, my wife and I, there's a show on TV called The Hoarders and we watched one episode of that and it ruined us, man. We turned the TV off and cleaned our house. We, it, was, it was scary, right? So we can see the extremes that we can go to. So how do we stay balanced? Well, last week is the balance of that. We taught the first 10% goes to God. Putting God first helps us balance our life out. The second 10% going to savings is then uh, an, an easier task for us to understand what we're doing, the objectives behind it, and what's going on. It's so crucial that you and I learn uh, to live a balanced life and that we do as God has, has directed us to do and follow His pattern. His pattern is blessed and his pattern is gonna lead us to success. Debt has a, a negative impact, not only on our lives. We said last week, we read that passage that said, you know, the debtor is a servant to the lender. You remember that one out of Proverbs? Then I asked you, I said, what was the verse just before that verse? The debtor is a servant to the lender. And uh, someone had a good verse, but it wasn't the one right before. So the verse right before that verse that I just quoted 
says is one that we all have hanging up in our house somewhere, or grandma has it, or, or an aunt or an uncle has it, and you've seen it before, and it reads like this, train up a child, help me finish it, in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it, right? We love that verse, we really do. And uh, so, I have no idea what's coming on here. <laughs> this is amazing though. Are you guys interested? We'll, we'll sit through this. How about that? Is it on my... Maybe I hit one of these inputs. Let's try input. It could be coming from Grace Kids. We may be getting a signal from them. How much fun is this? All right, let's see. I would say we're probably here. Woohoo! We're back. See, the enemy does not want you to hear this. He'd rather watch you watch a monkey video. Right, Zach? Everybody loves monkeys, and we're going to watch the monkey video. Uh, debt has a negative impact not only on your life, but it has a negative impact on relationships. And uh, it increases stress. It contributes to mental and physical and emotional fatigue. We know this. Uh, we have all experienced it at one time or another. But in a recent survey, something you may not know, they discovered that 80% um, of marriages that broke up, that finances and the, and the handling of those finances, the difficulty of debt was the reason those marriages fractured and broke apart. 80%. Now, many people raise their, their lifestyle, and, and when they do, they raise debt. And so they're living off of, uh, like as we said, 90 or 100% of their income. And so when a winter comes, makes it very, very challenging for them uh, to be able to cut back and to do the things that they would need to do to survive and get through the winter. The high cost of debt requires additional jobs, and this, is, this requires more time spent at work and less time with family, and so the quality of life begins to fall down. And we have a little motto that we say, we owe, we owe, so off to work we go, right? We owe, we owe, and so off to work we go. That becomes kind of the pattern of how we live, and that's why we get so frustrated and say, I need some time off, I need a vacation, give me the credit card, let's go do something fun, right? And that gets us uh, even into greater trouble, doesn't it? When we come back and we get the bills and we have to pay for the vacation. Now the scripture that we read a moment ago, it says that, which having, speaking of the ant, which having no captain, overseer, ruler, provides her supply in summer and gathers her food in harvest. One of the things that has never been said about an ant is that they are a sluggard. They are lazy. They are no good, right? That has never been said about an ant. When we think about hard work, we think about those ants lifting and, and, and toting away food and, and doing it by the colony and, and uh, bearing burdens that seem so much greater than they are in terms of size. And, and they're working and they're constantly working from morning until evening. They are trying to fill up the, the reserves and the storages that they have built down in the ground with food that will carry them through difficult seasons. They, they have a plan for difficult days. And so then the question is, do you 
have a plan for difficult days. Because there's no question that difficult days are coming. The question is, do you have a plan for them? Statistics show that every household has hit at least one major crisis every 10 years. As I said before, Michelle and I have been through a few of those, and uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, sometimes there's, there's one in one year, and then three years later there's another one. But over average, 10 years, uh, every 10 years in your household, there's going to be some major event or crisis that's going to strike and affect you financially. Now, the ant is prepared for long winters, and the ant is prepared for short winters. It doesn't matter how long it goes. The ant has ample supply and is able to take care of that. Their efforts are, um, are responsive, not reactive. They are, are, are tied in to the fact that there's winter coming, and they know it, and so they're preparing for it. They're responding to the fact that crisis is going to come, winter is going to come, difficult times are going to come, and they're zero in on that, and they focus on it. They don't waste time, and they're not sitting around waiting for a celebrity to tell them to buy gold or silver or whatever it might be. They are moving in the direction of building a secure uh, kind of storage that will supply for their needs during the difficult winter season. Passage says, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Question is, how long will we slumber? There is winter coming, there are difficult times coming, and the question is, how long will we push it off? How long will we wait? How long will we push it back? We say, you know, maybe I'm going to get a raise at work, and then we'll start saving, or maybe something else will happen, and it's better to start something, even if it's a little right now, than to sleep through and hope uh, that it's not going to happen, because difficult seasons happen to us all. And as a pastor, we stand often at the, at the gates with, with people who are going through crisis and difficult situations. And I've seen all kinds of people, people um, who make big money and people who make little money. And they, they all have the same kind of crises and things hit, and it affects them in similar ways. And so, uh, you know, it is, it is uh, often that we stand there, we're, we're, we're troubled, and, and uh, we want to help, and we're reaching out to them. But... We, we see behind the scenes that there has been little preparation for the season that they're going through. No preparation for the winter, the difficult times. We all want to believe the best for our tomorrows, but we do not hold our tomorrow in our hands. And the best we can do is prepare for the unexpected and get ready. It's foolish to use up today's provisions from God for ourselves alone. And Scripture reminds us that Apathy and laziness always lead to poverty. Apathy and laziness always lead to poverty. Now the lesson of the ants uh, puts the responsibility for preparation at our feet. We were, we were called to just kind of go and look at, a, at the colony and just kind of watch them for a minute and consider what's going on with them. The busyness over the, the summer and the, the spring and the summer as ants are gathering and, and they're busy about getting ready and preparing. And, and we're reminded that we need to think in terms of work. We need to work to make things, uh, to get prepared and to get ready. 
for the next season that's going on. There are five ant lessons that I want to share with you. All right? Are you ready for the ant lessons? Five ant lessons. Lesson number one, ants focus on the mission. Ants have a mission. They're not reactive in, in terms of like you took something and they're going to go, you know, uh, get it back. They are on mission. You can take something from them. That's fine. They'll just turn around and go get something else. They understand there is a mission and they, they must be about that mission. The second one is ants work hard. They're not afraid of hard work. They're not afraid to get involved in, in, in the difficult endeavors that, that are required in order to store up and to get ready for crisis and, and difficult situations. And, and they, are, they, they certainly have, have no fear of working hard and, and trying to make things come together. The third one is that ants work with team members. You'll see them helping each other out and, and passing along the burden and working together and communicating with each other. Those antenna that touch and they, they learn the pathway back to the colony from one another. They trace their, their steps back. You know, once they've foraged off in a distance and discovered something, they come back to the big line, don't they? The line that goes back into the colony and takes the food. They are working as a team. You know, they're not, they're not saying, hey, I'm a lone ranger and I'm just gonna get my own storage. Everybody else can just, you know, take care of themselves, doesn't matter. They want, they're okay with working as a team to make this happen. They understand difficult times are coming and they wanna be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Fourth, ants are always, always have a stash, right? They always have a little bit of a stash. When I was thinking about this today, I was sharing with Michelle on the drive-in that my sister was down. I got to see her this past week, and uh, she's down from uh, Thailand. Hadn't seen her in a number of years, about 12 years, no, 11 or 12 years, I guess, now since I've seen my sister. And so got to spend a little bit of time talking to her, and she was revealing something to me that uh, they, they may have meant, meant it as a little bit of a dig toward me, but it actually was kind of a compliment after I heard that she said this. But, you know, since I was young, I, I had my first job at 11 years old, I've always had a stash, right? <laughs> and they've known it. Like, they know there's always a stash. Now, I'm not selfish with it. I've, I've, helped, I've taken, that's how we've gone sometimes to movies, you know, I've taken my brother and sister, uh, you know, and, and taken them to movies and, and then to get something to eat or whatever, because I recognize they didn't have a job, they didn't have the money or whatever. But I've always had this, this mad stash. Michelle's uh, mom always had mad money hidden away somewhere, you know, in her purse. And some of you, the same kind of thing. But my sister said that, that I was kind of the brunt of, of jokes among them, her, her my brother, and, and then my mom and dad. And they wouldn't say this in front of me, but they would say to one another, you know, poor Alan, he's probably down to his last crumpled $100 bill, right? <laughs> I would take like a $100 bill because I knew that's harder to break, you know? And I would, you know, fold it down really small and put it in a hiding place in my wallet or something, you know, and stash it back there. And it's, it's just that never got used unless there was some kind of an emergency that, that was necessary. And ants always have this little stash, you know, they always have this little uh, uh, stash away just to protect and to, and to preserve and to wait, you know, against a difficult day that's coming up. And it's a good thing for us to learn that too, that it's good for us to have a little bit of a stash. My family uh, often would come to me when things got really difficult 
and we needed some kind of an emergency something, they figured I probably had some money set aside to do something, and I easily did. And lesson number five, ants like picnics. That's really not a part of our learning, but it's pretty cool. They do like picnics, right? And since we can't use the word picnic here at Grace Place for the events that we have, I wanted to use it in this message right here. Ants like picnics. No one ever refers to an ant as lazy, right? You know, I can remember reading uh, years ago the, the, the book Rich Dad and Poor Dad, and, and it was a story about uh, this, this man who, you know, he had two dads. His first dad was, um, you know, they were a poor family. His dad was just a working class uh, guy, worked really hard. He taught him a work ethic, taught him the importance of working with his hands, getting things accomplished. But one of the things he noticed about his, his poor dad was that if extra income ever came in, he didn't always do the wise thing with it. I mean, he didn't put it away. He didn't save it. He usually you know, wound up having a little party or get together or buying something he didn't really need. And then they were always just right there on that poverty line. You know, they just never got above uh, the poverty line. But something happened and he died. And, and so his mom met this guy and she married him. And he turned out to be very wealthy, extremely wealthy. And he also had this great, great work ethic. And he learned from him about this great work ethic. But something he learned from him that was valuable for him later was that he learned that the, that the rich man did save and he did use his money to invest in assets, not things that would just perish. So he wasn't just buying fancy clothes or, or the latest in technology, but he was investing his money in buying real estate or buying fine art that would one day cash back in and he would be able to use uh, if he ever needed it or got into a tight spot. So even when he was purchasing things, he was buying things that could be turned around and sold and used as an asset later. And he was great at saving, and so he was learning from him how to save money and put money away. More money, he says in this book, uh, more money seldom solves someone's money problems. More money seldom solves somebody's money problems. Ants are, the ant is driven not by fear or greed which is a major driver in finances with a lot of people. But ants are driven by purpose and by mission. It's one of the things that's so important about the 10-10-80 plan for us to understand is that it sets us apart from mainstream in the sense of we're not, we're not doing these things because we fear a winter or we want to hold on to things because we're afraid that we might not have enough or, or all that we want. But we are doing it because it is, we, are a, we are driven by purpose and we're driven by mission. God has given us a mission. Now one of the great things about this part of the 10% plan is there have been so many times when Michelle and I have been in a position to be a blessing because we had this kind of savings. Because we had the 10% set aside for savings, we've been able to be a blessing to other people's lives. We had money to help them out. We had money to loan if they wanted a loan, if they needed something for a short term. We were in a position where we could be a blessing and not just in a position where we could take care of our own needs. And so uh, if the crisis only happens once every 10 years, then there is income there that can be used sometimes to be a blessing and help somebody else who's going through their 10-year crisis and difficulty and situation. 
Now, I, I'm just sharing some of this stuff, not in any way to shed a light on us and on our lives, but just to hopefully help you understand how, how great it is to be on the side of being able to be a blessing for someone. We've had people in our home before whose, whose lives were crushed by a series of incidents. And listening to their story, we were weeping with them over what goes on and what had happened in their life. But be, after we prayed with them before they left their home, we were able to gather some resources and put in their hands as they walked out the door. So we're not just saying, brother, sister, we're praying for you. We're saying to them, we also want to be part of the blessing that God wants to bring into your life. And people have done that for us as well in our lives at various times. We were in our, uh, a, a kind of a short-term uh, uh, deal in, in Tempe years ago, in Tempe, Arizona. And a couple came up to us after the service, said, God told us to do this and gave us an envelope. And it really came in handy. It was a crucial time in our life. It was one of those uh, difficult, not, not real big crises, but one of those very difficult financial seasons. And uh, that, that uh, envelope had some cash in it that helped us make some, pay some bills and do some things that were needed for that season. What a blessing it is to be on that side of things. What kind of difference could we make in our families, could we make in our communities, if we committed to taking 10% of our income and saving it? One day, you might actually do what one of the members in our church in Phoenix did, when her and her family put this into practice, and that was she went down and bought a car for cash. Now, it wasn't like, you know, a $30,000, $40,000 car, about a $12,000 car, and they had the cash and they bought it. And it was awesome. They had been saving. So now they don't have a car payment. Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would love to have no car payment? <laughs> Amen. Me too. Unexpected expenses won't go on the credit card. Financial crises are one of life's certainties and having savings changes things for us in the sense that we have suddenly an opportunity to prepare for a new season of life because we have the savings. Sometimes when you know a person, a family member loses a job or a career folds up, there's a, there needs to be new training, uh, maybe going back to school or getting equipped for another career. And having savings allows for us to be able to do that. Or an opportunity to be a blessing, as I was talking about a moment ago, be a blessing to someone else if you have the savings in order to do that. Or an opportunity to demonstrate how trusting God with your finances is the very best way to live. And when a person is living on 80% of their income, has 10% of uh, savings, they're ready for the winter seasons, it's a great, great picture for everyone around us to see that we are trusting God and putting Him first in our life, and we are living differently. God's calling us to live that way. It's, a, it's, it's difficult to think through, in, in many respects, getting on this track. And, and I'm talking to some that are online, some that may be here uh, today, that are saying, yeah, you know, you just don't understand what our budget looks like and how tight things are. And I, I don't, I'm honest with you. I, I don't really know exactly what you're going through, but I can tell you that Michelle and I started out with very little. And, and as, God, as, we, as we kept God's plan and we, we put it into action, things began to change for us. God began to bless. I love the story um, Austin and Amanda told them. When we were, when we, the first year we were here, we taught the 10-10-80 plan. I haven't taught that since. 
And they, they put that into practice in their life and how that's changed everything for them. There are so many little side things that I know behind the scenes. Some of you may know uh, blessings that have happened as a result of, of their, their transformation and how they would live together and, and, uh, you know, and follow God's purpose and his plan. And I want to encourage you to make some kind of start. Make some kind of start. You may be saying, there's no way I can give 10% of my income uh, to God. There's no way I can do that. Could you do 1%, 2%, 3%? Can there be a starting place for you? There's no way I can do 10% of my savings. You don't understand what's going on. Can you do 1%, 2%, 3% to start? And begin to build on that. I want to see life change happen for you. I want to see you living according to God's word and his purpose. Michelle and I, in the beginning, you know, we found some creative ways to, to work and to do extra little jobs so that we could build savings because our budget was like, you know, uh, I think uh, my income when we first started was $250 a week and that just didn't go hardly anywhere. And so we found some little side jobs and things that we could do that would help us make money that we could put into savings. We started extra little jobs, you know, uh, she would iron for, you know, some people and clean their homes and, and some things like this. And I had some things that I would do. One time I dressed up in a bunny suit and went around and delivered Easter baskets. You talk about filled with shame. <laughs> Fortunately, I was covered with a big Easter head and, you know, bunny head and all this stuff. And so nobody knew who I was, but I'm handing out and singing songs and handing out Easter baskets. Here's the Easter bunny you know, uh, has brought you, and I had creative poems and love poems, things that people gave me, you know, and it was an extra way for us to make some extra money. But we were not ashamed to do whatever we needed to do to, to get ready because we knew that God's word tells us winter is coming, difficult times are coming. I want to invite our worship team to come back. Whatever it is, wherever the challenge is right now, and primarily in the, in the area of debt, God's saying, I don't want you to serve anyone but me. I don't want anyone in first place but me. I want to be the one that you give your attention to, your focus to, your energy to, and your time to. I want you to be able to do what I've called you to do. I want you to be a loving mom and a loving dad. I want you to have time with your family. I want you to have time um, to, to love and embrace your church family and, and be around uh, people. I want you to have, uh, be engaged in the ministry that I've given you. If you're, an, if you're a, a nurse or um, you know, if you're here and you work for Dell or you, know, you have uh, some kind of a, uh, whatever your work is, whatever you do for a vocation, that's also your ministry. And there are people around there that need to hear from you. Your heart that loves God and, 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 and cherishes the things of God, they need to hear that. They're going through difficult seasons, and so God's uniquely placed you there, and you're the pastor of H-E-B, right? I mean, um, if that's where you work, or the pastor at, at, at Dell in the sales department, or, or the pastor, you know, uh, in, in, in whatever area that you're working in, right? In some retail area or something. You're the pastor there, and God's uniquely placed you there. But God said, I want you to be able to serve me. I don't want you to be here so that you're serving. I don't want you racking up overtime because you, you, you need the extra money just to pay for the, the things that you've purchased that are not going with you. They're not traveling with you past this life. You're a steward of what I've placed in your hands. 100% of what you get is what I have given you, God says. 100%.
And I'm asking that you would put me first in the 10%. Secondly, put your family and you in the 10% of savings and learn how to live off of 80%. 80% of the income because winter comes to every household. I told you that in a four year span, Michelle's you know, lost her job twice, two companies that closed. We went through seasons without her working. We couldn't have done it if we weren't living off of 80% of our income and had savings. Wouldn't have happened, couldn't make it. I can tell you right now. But God wants us to live through difficult seasons and glorify him. And so he set out a pattern, a way for us to be able to do that. He loves you. He cares about you. I want you to stand with me, if you will, right now. Your brothers and sisters that are in this room, nobody uh, really knows all the story behind what you're, what's going on. Uh, as a pastor, I get bits and pieces, maybe a little bit more than some might get. I know there are struggles in this room this morning. I know there are people that are going through some difficulties. You're in, you're in your winter. You're in your winter. And I want to say to you that God loves you so deeply and cares so deeply about you that he uniquely planned this day today for you, that you would be here so that he could say how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. And what he is asking from you right now, first and foremost, is just all of your heart for him. God, I'm not going to hold back anything. I am going to give you my whole self. I belong to you. You created me. You fashioned me. I'm going to trust you to get me through the winter. I'm going to trust you. Maybe we didn't make all the wise decisions. Michelle and I didn't make every wise decision along the way. But God has been good to us in great graceful and merciful and has helped us where we made some bad decisions. And so I can tell you from experience that even if you didn't do all these things, the 10, 10, 80 plan, God's still there. He loves you. He cares about you and he can help you. Father, we come to you right now and we're asking you to start a work in us in these moments as the worship team sings in a moment that is going to continue as we worship you. And we take this moment to give ourselves wholeheartedly to you and say we belong 100% to you. Everything we are, everything we have, everything that we will be, we belong to you.